I, I was thinking they would have one more song, because that's a very emotional song for me. I thought, okay, get it together. Let's, uh, let's open in prayer here, since Josh just closed in prayer. Right. No, I'm kidding. Let's pray. Father, we worship you and we praise you. We trust you. Lord, we have come this morning desiring to hear from you. Desiring your heart. We've come hungry. And you promised when we seek you, we'll find you. The hungry will be filled. And we're hungry for you. You will fill us with you. So, Lord, we trust you in that as we come before you. We simply say yes. We give you our yes. I give you my yes. To do with my mouth what you want. To say what you want. I ask that my own will not penetrate any of it. Because I declare before you, Father, my will is to do your will. I pray, Lord, that you permeate these words with your Holy Spirit. That they be useful to your cause, to what you desire to do. Love you so much. Thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So welcome all of those in Nigeria, all of those listening in Pakistan, in Kenya, in other places. Welcome. I know the last time I was uh, there in Nigeria a couple of weeks ago, they started showing the the message here in the dining hall, which was kind of cool because it went from a little screen TV to a big wall. So they pinned us all to the wall. (laughs) But I welcome you and look forward to seeing you again very soon. I'm going to read something the Lord had me write down. And if I hesitate... Right now, it's because of the controversial nature of how it can be taken. So, I want to say up front, have an open heart, have an open mind, and I know I'm looking at everybody here, it's this really for online, I, I think most of us here have have come to realize this. But in speaking with him this morning, in conversations that we've really had all week, he said something, and it was so profound to me that I asked him if I could write it down because I know he wanted me to share it, and I didn't want to get it wrong. And this was in the midst of our conversation. He said, I am not their reliever in chief. But we will see whom will choose me to be their God. And I found that to be extraordinary because he is a reliever. He does bring hope. He does bring peace. He is a healer. He is Jehovah Rapha. He does bring all of these things. But in the course of that conversation, what I came to understand was where our focus is. Who do you see God to be? Is he your relief in chief? 
Do we go to God simply because we have needs? Do you know that's why scripture says it's so hard for a wealthy person to see the kingdom of God? Because they literally have their needs met. Look at your own life and your own history of life. When your needs were met, when you had extra, when you everything seemed to be going well, how hungry for the Lord were you? Now, it's not a straight effect. It's not like things are going good, so I don't need the Lord. The whole point is for us to want the Lord always, no matter what state we're in. He said, it is impossible for a rich man to see the kingdom of God, but yet with all, or or it's, it's like the camel going through an eye of a needle. But he said, yet, With God, all things are possible. So see, there is a possibility in your relationship with Him to be able to have needs met. And yet, to know it is fully by His grace. It is fully by the relationship that He is building with you. But then there there are other times where We see him as that provision. Because there are deep, receded places in our heart that we don't want to give up. That we want to keep control of. And oftentimes we don't even know that. We don't even realize it. Because we assume the paradigm in our heart is, is, well, this is how, this is what needs to happen. It's not happening, so something's wrong. Do you know, so often when we have those paradigms, God begins to take us through a process. A process of showing us who he is. Especially when we cry out some of these worship songs. And we say to him, take all of me. Take me. Yes, I give you my yes. Do you know how powerful a statement that is. Because two things happen. When you say out loud, I give you my yes, God, two things happen. One, first and foremost, God takes you seriously. Okay. Okay. I give you my yes. He says, okay, you give me my your yes, I will take your yes, and let's move with your yes. But see, there's something else that happens. The enemy hears that same declaration. And the enemy, by right, then says, okay, I get to challenge that yes. We'll see if that person really means yes. Or if it's just lip service because he wants Or she wants circumstances to change in their lives. You have this happen, and then that person, or even that society, because it's not just individual. You have entire people groups that go through these situations. God says, okay, I will have them prove out their yes. And then he allows circumstances in our lives that will test our faith. Those those could be all kinds of things. But that is exactly where we find ourselves today as a nation. More importantly, as a bride. Because it's not just in the U.S. It's all over the world. We find ourselves in the position of believing... When there's no evidence to believe. Believing that the God in whom we give our yes to has the power to literally produce that yes in us. And what that means. So it goes back to that saying that I wrote down. 
He said, I'm not the reliever in chief. If we are looking at him as only Jehovah Jireh, as only the God who provides, then we're looking at such a slimmed down version of who God is. He is our provision, no doubt. He does provide, no doubt. That's part of his character. But that's not just who he is. And the times that we find ourselves in right now are times where he is proving that out. Because if relief is what you're after as a Christian, you're in for a long, long road. If relief is what you seek as the provision from God, and you put your own paradigms into what that relief looks like, maybe you're facing a difficult situation right now. Take the vaccine or lose your job. That's a tough situation. But you know what? It's not real tough for the person who trusts God with everything more than just the relief, more than just the provision. Because I'll tell you what, it's a mistake to take the vaccine. Do you know I've never said that from this pulpit before, and the Lord's been bugging me about that. He wanted me, me to be very clear and very plain about it. It's not a mistake just like, you know, if you do that, you know, you're kind of going down a little bit of a difficult road or blah, 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 blah. No. I'm telling you, it is against God in doing that. Believe me or don't believe me, that's up to you and that's fine. But it is against God. Time will prove that out. Because your choices, if your choices are your own relief, if your choices are your own provision, you are literally pulling that from the hand of God. And my point in saying that is not to go into the science of it. First of all, good night. You know, when I went to school, science was actually really science. Right? Science was not a belief system. I mean, it started to be with the whole evolution thing. You know, the second they started calling that science, then it allowed them to call everything else science. Evolution is not science, it's faith. In fact, it requires a, almost a greater faith than to believe in God. But it's the same today with the science of what's going on. I don't have to know even the science. I'm not a medical professional. I don't even have to know the science of the vaccine or the science of some of the insanely ridiculous things that they talk about now. Just have to have common sense. If science is developing a vaccine and it uses the very sacrifices that Satan receives in abortion and in aborted material, do you think that that is going to lead to something good? Do you think in the realm of possibility that's going to lead to something good? It's not. It's not. And for that alone, I will never take the vaccine. If the vaccine goes in my body, it's because they tied me down and they shot me with it. And that's kind of out of my control. I kind of fear for them if they try it. Not because of something I would do, but because of what God is about to do. But yet, there is a fear which is what makes the vaccine desirable. 
This fear of provision. This fear of relief. Whether it comes in the form of being able to shop at Costco. Or being able to fly on United. Which neither one yet is doing that. Those are examples and I really hope that they don't do that because we do shop at Costco. I do fly United. But it's the relief of thinking, well, if I do it, then I get to go on and move in my life as normal. I get to do the things that I'm used to, that I can, I can kind of wrap my arms around and control. You don't even know what you're compromising by that. And, and I know here, <laughs> I know I'm preaching to the choir, but online I'm not. Online, there are many who don't know this. Out in the day-to-day struggles, in the day-to-day walks of life where each of you are planted in, you come into contact with people every day who don't know this. I know many Christians who have already taken the shot. Not realizing the compromise that they're doing. It's an extraordinary thing to think of. And and by the way, by the way, I want to say this because many hearing this will have already had the shot. And I don't want condemnation to come down on you and you to feel like there is no hope after that. There is. And that's another thing that he wanted me to tell you. This is not a physical thing. There are physical aspects to it. But this is not a physical thing. This is a spiritual thing. This is a heart posture. If you have taken the vaccine, I want to encourage you. Recognize it is a heart posture. Ask forgiveness. Ask forgiveness. Because the Lord forgives. He does. But I promise you one thing. Something's going to happen. You will be tested again in that way. Because taking the virus is a test. It is a test. I'm not going to call it the mark of the beast because I do not believe that we're in the end times. In fact, I know we're not. But you could call it maybe a foreshadowing of it. I don't know. It certainly has all the same characteristics. I find that very interesting. So... If you do ask forgiveness and you are given forgiveness immediately, just recognize you're going to be tested in that. And the testing in that is not to hurt you. The testing in that is to prove your faith. It's the faith without works is dead. It's literally to give you works in your faith. To have movement in the choice you make. So if you've had one of the vaccines, don't get the rest. If you've had two, don't get the booster. Denounce it. Don't tell people that, well, yeah, I just went ahead and got it. No, proclaim the fact that I asked forgiveness because it was a mistake to get it. And receive the testing in that to build your own faith. It's not like... Okay, well, you did it and forget it. You know, just go suffer through the rest of your life until you're finally in heaven. God isn't morbid like that. In fact, time and time again, God keeps saying, when I, when I, God, how long, how long, how long? Whether it be society, whether it be individuals, how long do we have to keep waiting for you to move? And his answer is the same every time. I will wait till the last possible moment, giving everybody whom his targeted outcome is for the opportunity to say yes. The opportunity for relationship. If you are breathing, you have opportunity to say yes to him. You have opportunity for relationship with him. 
Don't let, I know I say that word a thousand times every week, don't let that become a dull word to you. Don't. That's like the, the preciousness of my relationship with my wife Alexis. It's like any marriage. If I let that dull, if I don't recognize every day how precious she is to me and her and me to her, it becomes dull. It becomes strained. That relationship cannot be taken for granted. Neither can your relationship with the Lord. But see, with the Lord, it can be really difficult because, see, Alexis, I can see her. In this physical realm, I can see her. It's easier for me to kind of put in my mind and figure out in my mind what that relationship looks like. With the Lord, it's harder. Because I could see the character of him on paper in his word. I could go and I can worship and I can ask him for experiences with him that reveal the truth and the proof of what he has placed in his word of his character. But see, it has to be something that's built. When I say that I talk to the Lord all the time, and he talks to me, and we have conversation in relationship, it is not because I'm something special. Do you know that's available to everyone in the bride? Everyone. He has not put me up here as an example for you to follow me. Oh man, please don't do that. Please don't do that. You don't want to do that. I plead with you to follow him. I plead with you to go to him. Build your own relationship with him to where he speaks to you, you speak to him. And then when you hear a word from somebody, then you could go in your own relationship and you say, is what he said true? That's what he wants in relationship. Don't take it for granted. Build it. Because in that relationship, there is forgiveness. Even at the beginning of that relationship, there is forgiveness if we ask. There will come a day where this vaccine will prove out what the enemy's plans are for it. There will come a day. Don't wait till that day. Don't wait till that day. If you have had it, ask forgiveness. If you're contemplating having it, oh, press into the Lord. Ask him the reasons. Ask him to reveal truth. If it's because of relief, I encourage you to dig deeper. I encourage you to build your relationship with him stronger. Your faith stronger. Because we are in a different day. I know many in here are younger, but I know over decades, the bride could kind of count on things being status quo, right? Well, this is kind of how God operates, and it's always kind of been this way. And we go through tough times, but then, then you know, we, it kind of circles back and blah, 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 blah. We're not in those days anymore. If you're waiting to, for it to circle back just because he will give you relief, you're in for a really ugly surprise. Because that's not, that's not the times that we're in. Lord, this morning took me to the very last thought in the, word of, in the Old Testament, as it's laid out 
in the canon. And I want you to go there. And that's Malachi chapter 4. None of this is a surprise, but, but it's a reminder. And I, I just want to read it. Because sometimes we need to be reminded of things that he continues to say so we keep our eyes open. Verse 1, chapter 4, Malachi. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Okay, before I go on, I want to explain something there. What happens when you take the support system out from a tree? The tree's weak. It may not fall right away, but you get a good wind, it's going to fall. You get external pressure, it's going to fall. Because the root system has been taken out. That's what he's talking about here. Verse 2. But for you who fear my name, those who seek him, those who give their yes, those who desire everything with the, with the Lord, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Recognize there that is not the Son as in Son of God. Okay? This is the Son of Righteousness, or the light, if you will, of righteousness. When we walk in righteousness, what happens? God fills us. He is the light inside of us. As this group, if you will... Call it remnant, call it whatever you want. But as this group walks in that righteousness, that light will rise up. It will not just be seen right there in the moment and contained. It can't be. Because God is never contained. So going back to what it says in verse 2. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. God's giving a picture here that's really extraordinary. Sorry, I used the word again. I always get teased about using that word and extraordinarily large amount of times. But there is something here that is going on that is quite extraordinary. The Lord has laid out two scenarios and he's contrasting the two at the same time. Right? What he's doing is he's saying those who are arrogant, evildoers, they will become stubble. Those who do not care about God Those who walk in their own ways. By the way, this is not bride, no bride. This is not the world and Christians. It's all mixed together. It's saying where your focus is, is who you will be counted for. If your focus is on God, don't just assume because you're a Christian that your focus is on God. You know in your heart if your focus is God or not. You know. Nobody else knows. We can see evidence, perhaps. But evidence can also be a lie. You know. You know where you're at with the Lord. You know what your yes really means. Are you just part of a group that says it? Or do you really mean it in your heart? So he lays out the two scenarios. Those evildoers, those who would be selfish in their own plans, they will become stubble at the same time. 
Those whose walk is in the Lord, who gives their yes, who walk in that relationship, they will literally be the son of righteousness that rises up at the same time. Same time. This is not, well, all the evil gets trod under first, and then from that we get blah, blah, blah. No, this is the same time. How do we know that? Because it says at the end there, Verse 3, on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts, on the day when I act, on that day, it will prove out where our hearts are. Do you know that for decades, I mean centuries for that matter, probably even millennia, it's not been hard to put up a fake facade for, for Christ. Especially in today's Christian world. For the last, I mean, I'm almost, I'm 57. For the last 57 years. It's not been hard to fake it as a Christian. Because in this Christian world, it's easy to say, yes, I'm a Christian. You don't believe me? Look at three quarters Not even three quarters. Look at 95% of political leaders. Because, see, it is expedient in politics to claim you're a Christian. Barack Obama said he was a Christian. Which is interesting because he, he really does everything opposite of that. Nancy Pelosi gets up there and she will read in the, in, in the day of prayer from the Word of God. Why? Because she believes it? No. There's evidence in her life and all the others' lives that they don't believe it at all. It's expedient for them. They are the ones that will become stubble. Do Do you believe that? See, if you base things, if I were to base things on the last 57 years of my life, I wouldn't believe it. Because God has never really exposed that on a mass scale. David had the same problem when he cried out and said, Lord, why is it that the evil people get everything? They lead everything. They move freely. But yet we are held back, those who love you. Man, I could cry out the same thing. I remember in the 70s, early 70s, and I was a young boy, but I remember when prayer was taken out of schools. I remember when abortion came around. I remember when these things started changing, and at the moment it was rise up, be, be upset, and everything else, and shake in anger and nothing happens and you move forward and there is no uprise. And now look at us now. 50 years later. I don't even know how... I, I keep saying 60 million. I know we're long long beyond that now. Babies. 63 million. 63 million. And it looks like We're as far from that being abolished as it was 50 years ago. We didn't rise then. Will the bride rise now? That's the real question. He wants us to rise. He wants us to believe what he says. He doesn't want us to look at him as simply the reliever in chief. Come and relieve our problems. When he's saying, oh my goodness, I am giving you the access to this power. But it's got to be an operation of an agreement between us. I want to work through you, but you have to say yes to me. And you can't just give me part of your life. You have to give me all of your life. Every last bit of it. Because if you don't, the formula doesn't work anymore. Because we're close to the day 
where he acts. He's setting, setting things up for it. And like we talked about last week, it's all based on faith. You could say you believe something. But until you act upon it, you don't really believe. That's faith without works. God doesn't call that little faith. Faith without works is little faith. No. So faith without works is dead. It's no faith. It's no faith. He wants us to step in that faith. You know, I, I want you to go. Hold on. It's in Matthew. Hold on. Let me figure out where it is. Go to Matthew chapter 10. You guys all know this, but I want you to read it. Matthew chapter 10 verse 34 says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Then he starts going into what that looks like. What it means to bring a sword. And we're going to actually go back a little bit. We're going to go to verse 16. But understand something. We are in a day and coming to a day where you can't just get by as one of the crowd. God is bringing a separation that will be based on your faith, based on your trust of him as to where that separation goes. And I'm not talking about heaven or hell, guys. I'm not talking about salvation and justification of sin. I'm not talking about that. Because there will be millions and millions and millions. Understand, there will be so many in the bride that have their ticket to heaven that are justified of their sin that will not choose to follow him. What an extraordinary thought. Do you know how small the remnant was of the children of Israel that actually came out of Egypt? that went into the promised land? Tiny. Tiny. Did it mean that they did not believe in God? No, of course not. Perhaps except those who decided to make a calf. (laughs) But what it meant was those who were sold out for God were a much smaller percentage But they're the ones that prevailed. They're the ones that moved forward. In fact, there were only two, only two of fighting age, Joshua and Caleb, that ended up going into the promised land. I mean, not even Moses. How crazy is that? Now, that wasn't because of Moses' faith. It was, however, because of disobedience. It was because of misrepresentation. That's why I said be careful of your relationship. Because your relationship is not just with the Lord. Your relationship is horizontal as well. This relationship builds responsibility for this relationship. Right? Your vertical relationship with God builds responsibility to your horizontal relationship with mankind. Don't think that you could just have the one, because you can't. I mean, you might be able to up to a certain point, but if you really want to grow in the Lord, you can't grow without the horizontal relationship. Because what he does in you, in filling up, has to come out. (laughs) Right? 
I mean, that, that's kind of the process that he's taken us through is, is fill up with him. He pours out. Who's he pour out to? He pours out to those around us. Because he is sending us into a hostile world. I, you know what? Let me back that up. He has already sent us into a hostile world. We're already there. It's not that it's coming. It's that it's here. I mean, what we say in relationship to Christ is not an accepted thing like it used to be, even decades ago. It's just not an accepted thing. It's different now. He said, I am sending you into the world. And in fact, let's, let's read it here. I think it's a little further up. Yeah, verse 16. And he was talking to his disciples here. Jesus was. He said, behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So he knew right away that in the physical aspect of who they were, they had no chance. Because, see, a sheep has no chance with a wolf without intervention. He says, beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them in the Gentiles. Now, recognize something here. I find this interesting. This didn't happen while they were with Jesus. Okay, what he is talking about applies to you and me as much as it did his disciples right there. Because it did not even happen for them until after Jesus had already risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. But then it did happen. They were dragged before governors. They were dragged before kings. They were martyred for him. These things did happen. So don't think those don't apply to you. They apply to every single one of you. And he is sending us as sheep in the midst of these wolves. Verse 19. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. I want to encourage you. This is not just for leaders. This is not just for me. Being the pastor of this church that, well, if, if I get arrested because, you know, we don't lock down because of COVID-36 or whatever it's going to become, then God will give me what to say. By the way, that's true. And I believe it. I know he will. But it's not just for me. It's for you. It's for when you're at work and you're faced with a choice of actually saying what you believe and walking through what you believe versus cowering, saying, well, that, that would hurt this or that. You know, there are a lot of people right now that are making those decisions. And the virus is, or, I mean, the vaccine is the thing that's pushing that decision probably more than anything right now. This, this vaccine mandate, which, by the way, isn't even a mandate. Right? I think the press kind of makes it a mandate. They decide what they're going to give you and what they're not going to give you. But all this stuff that is happening in the workplace is forcing decisions on our part. But do you know, it really isn't much of a decision if you're trusting the Lord. How, how, to, how to deal with consequence of it, perhaps. How to say it, perhaps. The testimony in which it's given, perhaps. But it's that horizontal, or that vertical relationship with the Lord that then feeds that horizontal relationship with people. And not just people that you like. <laughs> not just people that, well, you know, I, I, have, a, I have a relationship with Isaac because he's cool. Right? See, I use examples that are patently false. So, just so you know. I'm kidding. But see, I, I like Isaac, so it's easy to have a, a relationship with him. And I can build a relationship with him. So God flow through me to Isaac. Because he and I kind of gel. 
But then there's Josh. Yeah, don't even like Josh. Josh repels me. No, I'm kidding. But in the, in the example, let's say I'm not. You know, he's so opposite of me. We don't get along. Things, things just aren't so good between us. So God, flow to Isaac. Flow to Isaac through me. Don't bother pushing it off to Josh. Who are we to make those choices? When God may be saying, you have no idea the relationship I have ready for you and Josh. You have no idea the people in your lives that you feel you may have no influence on, or you don't even like, you don't even like to be around, you have no idea how God wants to use you to affect them. And it may be short-lived, it may be as simple as you standing up and saying, I will not do this. Thank you very much, I'll pack my bags. Just know that horizontal relationship is flowing through you to who God wants it to flow to. And there are people making that choice. I I won't say his name, but there is a person who has been such a dear friend to me for so many years, a fellow missionary who has worked in the medical field for a long, long time at a very high level. And he wasn't about to take the vaccine. He walked away from it all. He walked away from it all. Everything that he had built. And it wasn't just what he had built for him and his family. It's what he had built for his ministry. But he walked away from it because of what was right and what was wrong. He didn't say, oh, Wait a second, maybe I should get this because you're just doing so much for the ministry, so much good through this opportunity. I just need to keep it going. Didn't do that. See, it's right or it's wrong, period. If the ministry is true ministry, it comes from God anyways. It doesn't come from the avenues of man. God can open up new avenues in a heartbeat. You want proof of that? Come on with me to Nigeria. Come on with me. See what has happened there since May. It's extraordinary. (laughs) It really is. What God has compounded there in growth, and not just growth in, in terms of provision and 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 land and all that, that that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people. I'm talking about that horizontal relationship where people are hungry there. I can't wait to get back there in November. There's so many that I just want to hug again and just say hello to. Why? Because God is the one who does the ministry. Not man. Not the function of money. Good night. If that were the case, we should have given up a long time ago. I mean, a little house church can't affect anything, especially when 80% of them are young and didn't have much in the way of jobs, right, (laughs) at the time. God can't do much with that, can he? We should just stay home. Greg, don't even bother going to Nigeria. Oh, praise God, I was just... I was going to say stupid enough not to listen to that, but no, it was a choice. It was certainly a temptation. Thankfully, I didn't listen to it because God wanted to work. See, when he's working in you vertically, the evidence of that work will show horizontally. If it doesn't, you need to go back and figure out why. If there's not evidence in your life to those around you, not to the fact that, well, you know what, I just like cats a little more now. 
And see, that actually means something to me because I don't like cats. There's only one cat I've ever liked, and that was Jeff and Bryn's cat. But see, now we have these three strays on our property. I think they're the coolest things in the world. Can't quite get them to come up to me yet. They're two little kittens and then the mom, but I'm going to. I'm going to get them to come up to me. Hopefully they won't bite me. But see, it's not like, okay, those things change. No, it's people's lives around you. That horizontal relationship is meant to infuse Christ into others and receive back the life of Christ from others. It's that inner working that brings unity. Do you understand? The bride right now is so disunified, so disjointed because they don't understand this first. They understand to believe in this. I believe in God. Guess what? That's not real hard. That's not real hard. I mean, if, if, you, if you literally really believe in evolution, you, you, that's just absolute deception. And quite frankly, I apologize, but stupidity. It is. It's not hard to believe in God. Roman, and if you don't believe me, go to Romans 1. God said it himself. He said it's not hard to believe in me. Just look at creation. Just look at what I've done. Right? Because of that, we are held accountable. We're held accountable because of what we can see, because of what we can understand is God. So it's not hard to believe in God. Guess what? It's also not hard to believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. That He inserted Himself into His own creation, became a man, walked a perfect, sinless life on this earth for 33 years, and then gave His life on the cross as a payment for your sin and for mine. But then, death couldn't hold Him. And he raised from the grave, literally defeating death. And then 40 days later, ascended to his father where he sits right now, waiting. Waiting. What's he waiting for? What do you think he's waiting for? God told us. What's he waiting for? For God to make his enemies his footstool. But yet God has chosen to work through this thing called the bride. Boy, it would have been so much easier if God just would have picked like one Moses to do it. But see, he wanted to do something special. He wanted to prove to Israel what it looks like when God is their king. The very thing Israel rejected over and over and over again. From the very beginning when they asked for Saul to be their king. To when Jesus walked on this earth and he was proclaimed king and they said no. He is not our king. They had every opportunity to receive him as king. If you don't think that hurt the Lord... Go read the Gospels and try to put a lens on the Gospels of Jesus' heart for his people. He said it when in the triumphal entry when he entered Jerusalem. He didn't, he didn't enter with, you know, arms held high and woohoo, victory. He wept. He said, oh. How I would have just gathered you like a hen gathers her chicks if you would let me. So he has been sitting at the right hand of the Father, working in those vertical relationships, waiting, waiting, waiting for his bride to finally figure out that we have to be unified. That from that vertical relationship, we are fed into these horizontal relationships with, which bring us together. See, he is doing that now. 
The bride is starting to figure it out now. And guess what tactics God uses to make that happen? Historically, it's how he always did it with Israel. He brings on times of trouble. Times of trouble to make them literally recognize what the important things are and to make a choice. That's where, we're all, where we are right now. We're required to make a choice. Are you going to really pour into this relationship and let it flow here? Or are you going to, yes, I believe I will cut this off and God will say, okay, there's only so far you could go. There's only so far. Because if you don't consume the atmosphere around you by the Holy Spirit flowing through you, it will consume you. It's one or the other. You cannot just go and be on the sidelines anymore. We're in a different day, a different age. It like goes back to what he said in Malachi. On that day that I act. Guess what? God's acting. He's brought that day. We are here in that process. Will you believe him? Will you trust him? It's not a single decision. It's an every day, every moment decision. And it doesn't just encompass you because it is about what he does horizontally through you. Because the bride is coming together. The bride will be unified. Can you imagine in all the ridiculousness going on right now, just in this country, but really it's all over the world, can you imagine if the bride were unified right now? Wouldn't be an issue. Wouldn't be. Because God would simply give a command to all those in unity with him and flowing out horizontally, they would all get that same command so it's not like some guy decided it. It was from God to do it. It would be done. And there isn't a power on this earth that could resist it. Not a single power. Nobody. I mean, the Bible's flooded with examples of that. Flooded. So trust him in what he's doing. Make your yes, yes. From If you haven't up until now, do it from this day forward. Who cares what has been in the past? If you are breathing right now, you can have a choice to continue from this day forward in a yes and meaning it. I encourage you, do that. Come on up, Alexis. I find it interesting that Greg said he struggled for a little while with the Lord bugging him before he was willing to mention the, or before he did mention the, the vaccine. And that's proof right there that, he, that the bold statements that the Lord gives him is not because he desires to be controversial. He just really wants to be certain. Um, this is such an important message, and um, I'm so thankful that God does make it clear, makes a way, and encourages us in this line in the sand. And it was so interesting at the very end, I was thinking the same thing, that you know, we think of a line in the sand and we think of a choice as a one-and-done event. But really, the line is a process. It is a constant process of choosing because it is the sum total of many, many choices that solidifies what side of the line we're actually on. And it really reminded me, um, the only thing I want to mention before we close in prayer this morning is, it reminded me of Luke 4, where right on the heels of the baptism of Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit that led him into the wilderness to be tempted. So here he's baptized, he has this anointing, this calling into his ministry, and then he's taken into a time of testing and temptation to prepare him for what he was about to, to deal with. And 
we, you know, we look at that and think, man, why did, why did he have to go through that? But we were talking with the ladies this morning downstairs. Um, Matthew says that temptation is necessary. It is an inevitability because the Lord always will give us choice. And the enemy, as he said, will test that, as Greg mentioned. But with Jesus, every single temptation was an opportunity to, to stand firm and to, to solidify what, where his faith was in the fact that he was there to do the will of the Father. And we are in that time right now. This is the time of the temptation. There is nothing more tempting than to just go along to get along, honestly. I mean, you know, it's like, seriously, there's enough other problems in the world. You have to take away the place where I go to the store. You know, I mean, what? And you begin to justify so many things. And I heard a woman recently justify that, well, because the Lord knows my heart, then, you know, he'll protect me from the effects of the virus because he knows how hard it is. You know, when you begin to justify things like that, then you really are, like what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, you're really leaning on your own understanding. You're not acknowledging him. And it would be no different than, you know, a gun to your head, deny the Lord, but know that, well, yeah, I just said that. He knows I didn't actually deny him. He knows I love him. I just said that so that I wouldn't die. I mean, you know, you, you protect yourself. That's what you do. And, and, you know, you can reason your way out of a lot of things, but words matter. Declarations matter. And it's really where we are in our faith isn't really real unless it costs us something. That is the very essence of a choice. You can't have everything and then call it a choice. Um, and I, Greg, when he mentioned our relationship in our marriage, I thought, you know, I wouldn't feel very chosen and very loved if the only reason that he chose me is because I was the single only female on planet Earth. And he's just like, well, all right, she's it, come on. You know, how, how chosen would I be if, if he knew that he had to marry and, and, you know, needed to procreate the earth and, well, she's the only one, so okay, I'll just take her. No, the fact that he had a choice, many, many, when I met him, he had a date with two girls in one night, but he canceled that, you know, in college, he double booked himself a, a good bit. But then when he met me, he chose me. And it was, you know, that's what the Lord wants. He's, and, he, you know, there are other gods. You know, you think about it, There is only one true God. But there are other lowercase g gods, demonic gods. And many people choose those. And the Lord is saying, you know, in this world, you'll have temptation. You'll have tribulation. I have given you that because I want actual love from you. And he stands at the door and he knocks to come in and have fellowship with us. He could have made a bunch of created robots, but he wanted actual love. And I just, um, I know that the choice is hard. And I hope that you are praying and interceding on behalf of others that are really struggling right now with, for the first time ever in their Christian walk, having to decide what they actually really believe. It's like, I'm a believer. Yes, I, oh, yeah, I was saved when I was younger. But now, I'm, for the first time, I'm having to decide, do I actually really believe what I've said that I've always believed? There's a lot of unbelieving believers walking around. And this is a, a valley of decision like we've never seen. But it's because the Lord is saying, I want you to actually love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul, all of your being. More than anything else. I, I want that from you because I love you. And quite frankly, he is worthy of that love. And so this is the time. Like Greg said, it is not like any other time where we can just go along to get along. And well, we got, his, we got the, you know, the G&M, man. We got the grace and the mercy always surrounding us. No, it is time to choose. And to me, there just is no choice. I mean, what, what God does every day in my life, and I know you, you can testify all day long and he just is um, just the best thing that you can ever experience. And to hear his voice and to fellowship with him and to know that he will, that, that he is good and does everything and everything is for our good. There is nothing that when you choose him 
that will be bad for you, even if it's really hard. It is always, always good. And uh, so I just, I hope that you will um, really ponder this word today and um, recognize that while God does give relief, that is not his his main um, focus. He, he wants relationship. He doesn't just want to be a, a, a bank or a source or a Santa. He wants to be a, a true friend in that kind of fellowship with us. So let's pray. Father God, we just... God, we just come before you and acknowledge you as almighty God, King of kings, Lord of lords. You are Elohim, the supreme creator, Yahweh God. I just lift up and praise and worship the name of Jesus. And I thank you. I thank you, Jesus, for what you paid for. You paid for absolute victory for every one of us. And for relationship that is is unfathomable. And you deserve it. And so God, I pray today that you would just press on hearts. God, literally arrest our hearts to just see who you are and to experience you in a new way. That, that the hard choices that continue to come to our door, our doorstep, God, would be just without being shaken, without wavering, just that that we would choose you and your ways. Lord, as we sang earlier in the song Defender, the line, so much better your way. It's just so much better your way. God, wake up the bride to, to make the choice, even when it's difficult, to make the choice easy, because it's you that we choose every time. So, God, I just pray for an awakening, God. I know the great awakening um, is beginning right now, God. You are the shaking is shaking people awake. God, continue it. Do it, God. Do it for your glory. Do it because you are worthy of the praise of the single-eyed lives for you and you alone. I just love you, God. I thank you for the challenge of this word. And, God, we can say we trust you all day long, but if we don't live that trust, then our words mean nothing. So God, I pray that you would help us to walk in the works of our faith because it's real. I ask these things, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.